0: hey happy mother's day hope you have a great day and uh, enjoy the time that you have to spend with uh, family mother's day and um, comes in spring and spring always reminds me of something that uh, is you know you think of good things with spring but one of the things I think of in spring is uh, the dandelions that I have to fight I hate dandelions I mean I really do they're from the, they're from the evil one I know they are <laughs> I just totally despise them. And we, we have all-out war against dandelions in our home. And, um, and you know, as much as you spray and as much as you put down weed and feed and as much as you do what you're supposed to do, there's still some that prop up. So we got to you know, I taught Levi, gave him a little tool and told him how to get down, get under there and get the roots out and all that. So Levi and I are in charge of, of uh, the dandelion brigade at our house. And... Um, Christopher is. I don't ask Christopher to do that because Christopher's allergies are pretty bad, and he'll get all stuffed up. and And so we uh, leave leave that chore. Uh, uh, Christopher doesn't have to worry about that chore. And so when I asked Levi, I said, "Come on, Levi, it's time for you and I go out and declare war once again." And he goes, "Well, why didn't Christopher have to go?" (laughs) And I tell him for the hundredth time about the allergies and all this. He goes, "Well, it's just not fair." It's not fair anybody who's been a mother or a a father for very long realize that your kids are born with this innate sense of justice in their spirit (laughs) and that's not fair comes out pretty quick Uh, we all have that and it's 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 the way of the world because we think the world ought to always work out the way that it should, and, and uh, the early bird ought to always get the worm, and you always um, you get what you deserve, and there's no pain and no gain and no free lunches, and, and um, if you're the first one there, you're going to get the best of everything, and that's, we've, been, we've been taught that, and our parents taught that, because that is the way that the world works. Um, but it's not always the way that christianity works. The one thing that people struggle with with christianity many times is sometimes it seems it's just not fair. Because the grace of God is not a fair thing. The grace of God is not about getting what you deserve. The grace of God is not about the early bird gets the worm. The grace of God is not about no pain, no gain. The grace of God is, is not about that there are no free lunches. The grace of God is, is unmerited favor in your life. And it wouldn't, maybe it would surprise you to find out that there were some disciples that co- claimed that they didn't think it was fair either. And in Matthew chapter 19, Jesus is replying to Peter because Peter says, you know, we have left all to be able to follow you. We've left everything. We've left houses. We've left lands to be able to follow you. And what are we going to be able to get for it? Are you with me, Amanda? Matthew 19. There you go. We have left everything to follow you. What's it going to be in it for us? What are we going to be able to deserve? We, we've been here since the start. We deserve to be able to get some things. We deserve something from all this. What are we going to be able to get out of this? And this, this, this innate sense of justice and this innate sense of fairness, it, it goes all the way back uh, to, to Adam and Eve. It goes back to human beings. We were born with this. Uh, things ought to work out, and things ought to be fair. So Peter asked Jesus this question, and Jesus you know, replied to him. He says, you know, uh, anybody that's left houses and lands and all that kind of stuff, you're, you're, you're going to re- be repaid. You're, you're going you're to be rewarded for that. But then Jesus adds this last little phrase in Matthew 19, 30. Jesus adds this last little caution that's kind of weird. But Jesus ends up saying, but many who are first will be last. And many who are last will be first. Kind of saying, you know, my kingdom is, is, is not like the kingdom of this world. In the kingdom of this world, the first are going to be have the best of everything. And the first are going to get the best of the food and the best of the robes and the best of everything. But in, in my kingdom, the first will be last and the last will be first. My kingdom will be upside down. My kingdom will not be about the early bird gets the worm. My kingdom will not be about um, getting what you deserve. My kingdom about the one that works the hardest will get the most Reward out of that my kingdom is upside down and as we're in a series called things that we don't really like that Jesus said I'm not sure I like this to be quite honest with you this 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 message that we preach today is a reason a lot of people don't become Christians because they cannot get over this stumbling block of our faith that's called the grace of God because because what we're taught from a very young age is 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 different than that. We're taught from a very young age to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We're taught from a very young age to show up early for work, and your boss will notice you and give you a raise, and early bird gets a worm, and, and, and you're not going to get anything in life that uh, you haven't worked hard for, it and you'll get what you deserve, and that's what the world teaches us. But in 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 God's economy, it's a little different. So after Jesus says... Uh, the first will be last Peter and the last will be first so don't always think it's going to work out the way the world does don't always think about that that, that the early bird's going to get the worm don't always be able to think that you're going to get what you actually deserve I know you've worked hard but don't don't always think that people sometimes that that maybe haven't worked as hard may still be able to get a reward also and then Jesus tell tells a parable that we have in Matthew chapter 20 you remember that parables are made up stories it's a it's a story that Jesus made up to make a point and he tells a story, a made-up story to make a point to Peter. And he says, Peter, there's a, there's a landowner There's a landowner that uh, goes out and he needs to get some people in the vineyard to be able to work, needs to get some laborers to be able to work in his vineyard. So he goes out at 6 a.m. to be able to find these workers in the vineyard. And uh, the, the Jewish workday was 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. So he goes out early in the morning and he gets some workers. He says, come and I'll pay you a denarius. Come, and I'll pay you a denarius. And a denarius was a day's wage. Actually, it was a generous day's wage. So at 6 a.m., he goes and gets some, some, some day laborers. And he says, come and work in my vineyard. So they go work in his vineyard, and they're doing a lot of work. And, and the landowner says, I've got a lot more grapes that need to, to be picked, and let's go ahead and get some more. So at, at the third hour, which would have been 9 a.m., he goes and gets some more. He says, come on, and I'll pay you what is right. So they go and work for him. And then Jesus tells a story that he came back at the 6 hour, which would have been noon, and says, come on, I need some more workers. And come on with me, and I'll pay you whatever is right. So the story continues, and he even comes at 5 o'clock, the 11th hour. The workday is from 6 to 6. He comes at the 11th hour, only one uh, hour before the whistle blows and, and, and works over. He comes at 5 o'clock, and he says he still finds some more people there at 5 o'clock that haven't been working. He said, hey, man, I need some, some workers. Come on and work for me, and I'll pay you whatever's right. And so they go work for him. And so the day is over at 6 o'clock, the whistle blows at 6 o'clock, and back then you got paid day by day by day by day. You didn't get paid every week or, or every other week or monthly. And so they lined up to get paid, and he started paying everybody what, um, uh, what he was going to be able to pay them. And he started with the ones that had worked the least, the ones that had came at the 11th hour. And Scripture says that he gave those people at the 11th hour, he gave them a denarius, uh, a day's wage, a generous day. They only worked one hour. And and the Scripture tells us the ones who started at 6 got all excited. Because if these guys had got a denarius for one hour's work, if they came at 5 o'clock, the 11th hour, if they came at 5 o'clock, then, man, we that started at 6 o'clock, what are we going to get? And that's what the Scripture says. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. That's that makes all the sense in the world. It makes sense to every single. One. It's fair. It's fair. It's just. It's treating people right. It's equitable. So they expected to receive more, but each one of them received the denarii, the same that the guys who work one hour received. Does that seem? Does that seem right? Does that seem fair? Does that seem just? Is Jesus telling a story here of the landowner who obviously is representing God, that God is being just and equitable and fair? And When they received it, of course they grumbled. You would have grumbled too. You, would have, you, worked, you worked through the heat of the day. You worked 12 hours and you got paid the exact same amount that this guy came and he worked when the sun was going down and only worked an hour and you both got paid the same thing, you would have grumbled too, and so would have I. So when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner. Verse 12, those who were hired last only work one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us. They're equal to us. How can they be equal to us? Because we have borne the burden of the work in the heat of the day, but the landowner answered one of them and says, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't I, didn't, I, didn't you agree to work for a denarius? I'm not, I'm not pulling the rug out from under you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? I'm not, I'm not paying you less than I promised to pay you. I'm giving you what I said I would give you. Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my money? Now, what would the union do to that boss? Someone would file suit against him. There'd be lawyers all left and right. Landowner says, Or are you envious because I'm generous? Are you upset? Are you jealous? because I happen to be really generous to these people. Remember, all this parable is in response to Peter asking, what are we going to get if we follow you? What's in it for us? And then Jesus finishes with this phrase that he said up a few verses ahead that says, so the last will be first, and the first will be last. Do you like that? Just you sure wouldn't like it if you were the laborer. Do you think that puts God in a good light, God obviously being the landowner? Jesus could have told any story that he wanted to tell to be able to make this point. Do you, do you like that? Are you glad that story' is in the Bible? Is that an easy story to explain to your unbelieving friends? Well, if you know anything at all about the gospel. You know the gospel is about not getting what we deserve. The gospel is not about the early bird gets the worm. The gospel is about not about no pain, no gain. The gospel is not about no free lunches. And some people miss the gospel because of that. Because they put our Western world and our American civilization, civilization and our our American dream, template down over what Jesus is saying, which is the, his kingdom instead of the kingdom of the world, and they just miss it because nothing in the kingdom of the world, nothing in any of your jobs works that way. But Jesus says his kingdom works that way. See, if you, if you, if you read through the gospel, you know that what you deserve and what I deserve is punishment. But we get forgiveness. I didn't deserve that. I didn't, I didn't earn that. I didn't, I, didn't climb, I didn't climb some ladder of achievement and, and say, here, I did that, so give me my forgiveness. Now, we would get that if, 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 if that was the plan of salvation. If, if you had to do step one, step two, step three, there'd be a whole lot more Christians. Because we would get that. It would make sense to us. Because, after all, you, you know there's no free lunches, you only get what you go after and work for in this life, and it makes sense that, that somehow in the spiritual, if I do this, I do this, and I do this, then I have deserved it, then I will get salvation. But it's not about that. What I deserve, what, what, what I deserve is punishment. What I get is, is forgiveness. What I deserve, the gospel says, what I deserve. What, what you deserve, what my dear mother, who was sitting right there in, in, in the first service, what she deserves is the wrath of God. Is the wrath of God. That's not an easy thing to be able to hear, is it? That's not an easy thing to be able to hear. My mother deserves the wrath of God. But the gospel is that she won't get the wrath of God, she'll get the love of God instead. That's the gospel. It's not the way that the world works. Because in the world works, if you deserve the wrath of God, you're going to get the wrath of God. But in the gospel, in the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven is such that it's not about tit for tat. It's not about you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. God's not fair. He's gracious. And you ought to be glad. Because the last thing you want, the last thing I want, the last thing my mom wants, the last thing my boys want is for God to be fair with them, is for God to be just with them, because you know what I deserve, and you know what you deserve, and we're dependent on God being gracious to us, but there's still something that's kind of a thorn in our side on this unbelievable message of grace. It's so good, it's easily missed. You deserve, and I deserve, to be in a debtor's prison for the sins that we've committed. Oh, some, some people right here are thinking, well, I've never, I've never really done anything really, really bad. And you don't understand the fullness of sin. Yeah, you've never murdered anybody. You've never committed adultery. But the fullness of sin is, is the attitude of the heart. And because of the attitude of my heart and because of the attitude of your heart, because we live as a, in a me-first type of world, what, what, what we, what we need to be thrown into a debtor's prison because we owe God for the life that we've lived, but he doesn't throw us in a debtor's prison. He, he kind of gives us a clean credit record. What we deserve is a lecture. What we deserve is a finger in the face. What of the prodigal deserved when he came back to the father was a lecture i told you how could you made this decision that's what he deserves that's the way the world works but he didn't get the lecture he didn't get the finger in the face he got open arms from the father now that don't make any sense that's upside down that is weird that's fairy tale that's not the real world you're right it's a kingdom it's a kingdom and this is not a story on how you're supposed to run your business it's a story on how the kingdom of heaven works and how entrance into the kingdom of heaven comes by and it comes by not your effort and not you deserving and not you doing step 1 step 2 step 3 not you being a good little girl not you giving up drinking or giving up smoking it comes to you being able to accept something that someone else has already done for you it's grace it's grace. It's grace in the New Testament. It's grace in the Old Testament. Why did God choose Jacob over Esau? Now, I don't have time to be able to explain that story, but he chose a conniving, lying, deceitful Jacob, the second son, over the first. Why did he choose Jacob over Esau? It didn't make any sense why he chose Jacob over Esau. not make any sense at all. Why did God choose David, little 13, 14-year-old David, over all of his good-looking, older, broad-shouldered, hard-working, accomplished brothers to be the next? That doesn't make any sense at all. No one would have done that. No one would have picked the little runt of the litter instead of picking one of the older brothers. No one would have done that. The kingdom works differently. Who would have... Who would have chosen Solomon, the, the product of adultery, the product of an, affa- an illicit, nasty, as bad as you want any afternoon soap opera to be, as bad as, as, as you want desperate housewives to be, and an, an, a horrid affair and murder to cover up the affair. And then somehow, that, the product of that affair, Solomon, the Bible says, was the wisest man that ever lived. That makes no sense. That is first is last and last is first kind of stuff. I understand the grace of God, but if I have to be honest with you, there's something about it that goes against everything I've ever been taught. There's something about it that almost seems fairytale because the real world doesn't work that way. There's, some, there's something about it that almost seems just too churchy, and you talk about it in church on Sunday morning, but then you go out and live something different because it's just kind of church talk and preacher talk. And that's why a lot of people miss it, because the story is too good to believe that it's about not getting what you deserve. It's about someone handing you a gift. What you've earned, the Bible says, what your wages of your sinful life, the Bible says, Romans 6, 23, is death. What you've earned is death. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, wages, gift, two different things, upside down, first and last, last and first, the wages of what I've earned, is, is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you really, really get that? <laughs> Are you in here today because... You feel like God's going to be mad at you if you're not? Are you in here today because you're somehow you know, you're keeping score and you've been in church every Sunday for the last five years? Are you in here today because somehow God's going to reward you because you're here? Are you in here today because somehow God's going to think you're a good little boy and a good little girl because you're in here today? Or are you in here today to come in here and celebrate because of the goodness of God and what he's done for you in your life that you could not do for yourself? Amen. Now, people that understand grace can be able to celebrate people that understand grace can be able to walk in freedom because they're not trying to pay off a debt they're accepting the debt that was paid for them by someone else yes. <laughs> this is too good to believe you know sue and i were math teachers and i like math because math was logical and and you know it was predictable uh, because two plus two is four back when i was in school and two plus two is going to be four uh well some common core says it's not a few times but two plus two is going to be four in 50 years from now i liked it because it was predictable step by step we worked things out it was logical i felt like i had some control over math because i always knew where math was going to go because eight times eight is 64 and it's always going to be 64 and and so I, that's, I can control that. I like that. But God, Jesus wasn't really into the kind of math that I'm into because Jesus said some really weird things that are kind of first is last and last is first, kind of upside-down things, kind of kingdom of, the, of, of heaven and kingdom of the world, opposite things kind of things because he said, you know, I've got 100 sheep here, and if one of them leaves, I will leave the 99 unguarded and go get that one. Now, that, 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 that's silly. Now, that's just silly. I got 99 sheep, they're all worth $100 apiece or whatever they are, and I'm going to risk all of that because of one $100 sheep out there. And I may leave and go 10 minutes away to try to find this sheep and come back and the wolf's taking four of them. That makes no business sense at all. That is not real world. That is just preacher talk. That's just churchy talk. But that's Jesus' way he kind of thinks in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus somehow thinks, now you listen to this. He somehow thinks that a little old lady can put in two coins and it's worth as much as millions that someone else could put in. Now you explain that to me. That makes no sense whatsoever. Ridiculous. Upside down from the way the world thinks. First is last, last is first kind of thing. And in in the parable that we're talking about today, You know, Jesus doesn't pay by the hour. He just gives you whatever He wants to give you. He just gives you whatever He wants to give you. Friends, grace can be defined a lot of ways, and I don't know if I've ever heard anybody give one really definition of it that kind of wraps everything up. up. But grace means that uh, there's nothing you can do to... May God love you more. It also means there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. No man, no amens on that. Isn't that interesting? That's, that's not the way the world works, is it? Are you sure, Pastor? Are you sure you're reading your Bible right on that, project? Now, if you if you don't understand this 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 grace that we're talking about it you, you probably haven't read the apostle paul because the apostle paul says that where sin increased grace increased all the more and it was like the apostle paul was was so enamored by grace you go through all of paul's letters from romans all the way to philemon every single letter that paul wrote you go through every single one of them and you don't get through five verses till he's talked about the grace of god and all of them you don't get through five verses and most of the time it's within the first two verses that somehow he doesn't wish upon us or somehow talk about the goodness and mercy and love and the grace of God, and he says grace and peace to you. And it's like grace is the best thing he ever got from God on Damascus Road, and it's the best thing that Paul could ever wish for any of us as well. You don't want God to give you what you deserve. You are desperately in need of his mercy and of his grace. You don't want him to pay you at the end of your life for the life that you lived. You want him to have grace upon you and to be able to have mercy upon you. I mean, all the way through the Bible, that's the way it's been. It's just not like, well, that's the way it was in the New Testament, by all Mark, look back and well. I mean, look at the people that God has used. Look at the people that God's favor has has fallen upon. Noah Noah was drunk, right? Noah Noah, Noah just came off and saw God do this unbelievable miracle of saving he and his family 40 days and all that kind of stuff. And, 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 And Noah came out and got slam bang drunk. Jacob, we've already said, was a liar and a deceiver, a con artist. Gideon was a coward. Samson was a Samson was a playboy, man. He was a player. He was. Why did God give him supernatural power? He was a playboy, man. Why did God give him supernatural powers? Why did God use the David and the adulterer and the murder? Rahab was a prostitute. Jonah ran from God. Peter denied Christ. The disciples were sleeping. When they were supposed to be praying. The Samaritan woman was divorced more than once. And Paul stood and supervised the murder of Christians. That's all the way through God's word. That people don't get what they deserve. They get the goodness and the grace and the favor of God. First will be last. Last will be first. Kingdom of heaven, different than the kingdom of this world. If you try to figure out the kingdom of heaven by putting the kingdom of this world over top of that, you will be dumbfounded and confused. And there's some of you here or some people that are listening on the Internet, people in churches all over the world today that miss the grace of God because it doesn't work like the world works and they can't figure it out. out. And that's why Paul said that Jesus Christ is a stumbling block. People stumble over him because he is the grace of God. And people stumble over him. Are are you relying on that grace? Or are you trying to? Friends, I'm telling you, eight out of ten people in my office, when I ask them, when you die tonight, will you go to heaven? And most of them will say, "Well, yeah, th- I think." And then I say, "Well, if, if if you if you say yes, I think, and God asks you, well, why should I let you in? You know what? You know what? Eight out of ten of them give me they give me a works answer. Well, you know, I've I'm trying to get my life in order." I'm telling you, friends, it discourages me so much because it, it, it makes me think I'm a lousy preacher because I, I've been preaching totally different than that for five years, and people don't get it. They stumble over the grace of God. In the kingdom of heaven, the early bird doesn't get the worm. In the kingdom of heaven, it's not about that you get what you deserve. Kingdom of heaven, it's not about no pain, no gain. Kingdom of heaven is not about no free lunches. The kingdom of heaven is about a gift that God offers you. It's just about a gift that God offers you. But there's something so instinctive about us, about us, that we've got to work for what we get. That's instinctive in all of us. Because that's the way the world works. Your mom and daddy, they did you a good job. They taught you the way the world works. And that is the way the world works. And for 40 and 50 hours a week, you work that way. But the spiritual is something different. The first will be last, and last will be first. It's not about lectures and pointed fingers, and you can do it a little better. It's about open arms, welcome, daughter, welcome, son. done for you will you accept that paul says i think it's in romans 4 for everyone who stops working and i'm putting it in my translation but for everyone who stops working and relies on 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 the grace of god that is counted as righteousness for them for everyone that does not work God seems to be in some way, this is a bad word, God seems to be in some way flattered when when we put our full weight and trust in him and no longer thinks there's any good thing I can do to be able to enter the kingdom of heaven. But Mark, I, no buts. But you don't know, no buts. But my grandmother, no buts. But you, you don't know my parents, it doesn't make any difference. I heard no preacher one time tell a story and he said this man died and went to heaven this man died and went to heaven and he was walking to heaven he could see the the beautiful heavenly city and the gates off and away and he, off in the distance and he kept walking and and as as he kept walking he he saw this figure that was walking to him and it was unlike any it wasn't wasn't a human it was wasn't unlike any figure that he'd ever seen before it was it was unbelievably beautiful and radiant and brilliant and and glowing and he got closer as he walked and the and the figure was walking closer to him and he was just amazed by this creature that he had never ever seen before and he didn't know what to make of it and it was just it wasn't fear but but it was brilliant he was atta- he was attracted to it in some way it was just gorgeous it was taking his breath away and and he got right up to that figure five, ten feet from him, and he was just, his mouth dropped. And he'd never seen a being like this in all of his days. He said, you must be an angel. And the, and the figure said, no, no, I'm not, I'm not an angel. I'm not an angel. Oh, there's angels here. I mean, I, they're, they're around here. But I'm not an angel. And he looked at him and said, you're not an angel. Maybe you're Abraham. No, no, (laughs) no, he laughed. Moses, maybe you're Moses. No, (laughs) I've seen him. I saw him a couple months ago. They were up there. I saw him. They're here. (sighs) You've got to be the one that they called a man after God's own heart. King David. Oh, no, 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 no. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not David. Paul. Yet, Paul opened the whole Western world. To you're you're the apostle, Paul. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not the apostle, Paul. And then all of a sudden, the guy just like he the light bulb went off for him, and he just like he instantly recognized it. mean, and he fell down on his knees and 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 he, he bowed his head and he just worshipped. He says, "You're Jesus. I know you're Jesus." And the guy said, "Get up, get up. I'm not Jesus. I'm not Jesus." And the guy says, Well, who are you? And in a voice that sounded like a thousand voice choir says, You remember when Jesus was crucified? And there were two on either side. And one thief cursed him, and the other said, Remember me. I'm that thief. I'm that thief. The first will be last. And the last will be first. Psalm 103 is an interesting passage of Scripture. Psalm 103 verse 10 says what I've just been saying now. Old Testament, New Testament. says God does not treat us as our sins deserve. Or he doesn't repay us for all the stuff we've done. That's what I've been trying to say. If you're earning your way to heaven, you have no clue that you're on the wrong road. And as we talked about a couple weeks ago, you're on the broad road that everybody else is on because the world thinks that's what you can do. If you're trying to be good enough, if you're trying to be gracious enough, if you're trying to be Christ-like enough, as good as all those things are, if somehow you're trying to be worthy, you don't understand the gospel. For the gospel is good news, and for there to be any good news, there must be bad news before, so I need the good news. And the bad news is there is nothing you can do to enter the kingdom of heaven, and that's lousy news. But the gift of God. But there's a righteousness that comes by faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Verse 12 of Psalm 103, says, As far as the east is from the west. I believe with all my heart that because this message is so unbelievable, people miss it. It doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem the way it ought to work. But I guarantee you, if I gave you a step one, step two, step three, you'd go do it. Now the only thing I'm telling you to do, and it's not Mark telling you, it's the Word of God telling you. I'm I'm telling you to believe that something has been done for you. Something has been done for you. The gospel is not due, the gospel is done. Do you believe, and are you leaning hard on what someone else has done for you? If you are, according to God's word, you're a Christian. But I haven't. It's grace. I don't know if I like that. It's grace. That, that doesn't seem the way. That's grace. That doesn't seem fair. It's grace. In the kingdom of heaven, the first will be life. And the last will be first. There's an upside-down nature to that. And if you try to lay the template of the kingdom of this world down over the kingdom of of heaven, you will miss the whole thing. Please don't leave here today missing the grace of God. Apostle Paul says in Galatians 2.21, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be obtained through the law, then Christ died in vain. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be obtained through any good thing I could do, then why in the world did Jesus have to die? On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Do you believe that? A simple act of faith today. <laughs> I'm going to preach a series of sermons one time on the great prayers of the Bible. You know what may be the greatest prayer of the Bible? <laughs> it's when that thief said, remember me. Remember me. When you come into your kingdom. And if that was good enough for the thief, maybe it's good enough for you too. Remember me, Jesus. Remember me. As we come to the table today, we take the symbols of the broken body and shed blood of Christ as a symbol of the grace of God, as a symbol of what one has done for you. As a symbol of what one, while you were still yet a sinner, Christ died for you. Something, a symbol of what another person has graciously done for you. And he simply asks you to believe in the one who those elements represent and symbolize. Have you done that in your life? Really? Don't leave today if you haven't. Our servers are coming. Father. This message is, is, is just so, 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 it's such good news, it seems like it can't be real. Father, it seems like it's, we want to say, where's the fine print? Or, or it's too good to be true. And what we've learned in this world, Father, that what is too good to be true is usually not true. But Father, I pray that you'd give each of us the grace to believe in this old, 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 old story. And would everyone in this place, whether they're in the sanctuary or whether they're listening on the internet, would they lean heavily on what you have done for them and throw off any supposed goodness of their own and cling to the only good one who died for us? Help us, Father, during this time of worship as we receive the elements that we understand to be the Lord's Supper and Communion and as some will be praying around the altar. Bless us now as we continue to worship in Jesus' name.